Welcome to episode number 105 of the Marine Layer podcast. How good do we think Julio Rodriguez will be in 2024? We'll talk about that. We'll take a look around baseball with our MLB wraparound and close out the show with Speak Your Mind. Your reminder before we start the show, if you're listening, make sure to download our episodes, rate and review five stars. You're doing us a huge favor if you do that. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe on YouTube where the video podcast is. And follow us on social media. We're on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube Shorts at Marine Layer Pod. Let's get it rolling. And we welcome you to this episode of the Marine Layer Podcast, part of the Just Baseball Podcast Network, recording here on Thursday evening, February 22nd. And right on brand, the four of the first eight runs of the 2024 MLB spring training season were driven in by ex-Mariners. You know what's great about spring training? It is the peak time for overreaction season. And day one of spring training games, oh, it's overreaction season. So here I am. I'm going to sit here and say Teoscar is going for 35 and 100 with the Dodgers as he's a postseason hero for him, leading him to the World Series. Hmm. And there was a, what, a breaking ball in the inner half that, with the bases loaded here, nearly muscled out to dead center field straight away in Peoria, showing that, you know, just great plate coverage, not whiffing at a spinning pitch like we saw all of last season. And, well, really, really looking good in that Dodger uniform, Lyle. I, I, I got to say, I think he's going to. I think he's going to, I'm a hot take here. I think the Dodgers player development will lead Teoscar Hernandez to have a pretty good season. Hmm? Oh, and the other thing, uh, I mentioned four, Teoscar only drove in two. Did you realize that Kevin Padlow, former Mariner great, was a Dodger? I did not. And I would sit here and say, well, he'll just be a spring training guy and then he'll either go to AAA or get DFA'd. But knowing our history with swingman utility players. Kevin Padlow could be a Dodgers swingman utility player. Just be the next Chris Taylor. He comes out and puts up a three-win season in LA. Mm, yeah, that, I mean, that wouldn't, that wouldn't surprise me. We're a few years down the road from him getting a multi-year free agent deal and rumored to come back to the Mariners. Well, the Mariners could use an infielder at this point. Oh, Kevin Padlow's available. Just came yeah. off an 800 OPS. He plays plus defense in left field, second base, third base. You DH him to 15 to 20 homer power. Incredible. Sounds like I someone mean, the Mariners could use. Uh, well, remember how they almost re-signed Chris Taylor, which would have been so ironic if they had signed him back after all that. I will give Teoscar credit on this. There was that video that went viral of him getting both Shohei and Yoshinobu Yamamoto to say like Buenos Dias in Spanish or whatever. And first credit to the Dodgers because there's been so much Otani content everywhere since he's gotten there but Teoscar showing some personality got out on the Dodgers social channels obviously we're all for growing the game so speaking of Teoscar yes he crushed that baseball today but he's always he's also kind of been uh been active on social media a bit he's trying to become BFFs with Shohei I mean I think everyone I think the summary here Lyle is I think everyone is just happy to be a Dodger whenever they're a Dodger they just are in a better mood I, I hate to say it I really do but Shohei looks pretty good in Dodger blue. Like, objectively, he does look pretty good in those colors. He looked better in teal, but he looks pretty good in Dodger blue. And he seems very, very happy to be there. 
Hmm. For good reason, too, because there's a couple reasons in our MLB wraparound why he might not have been happy if he stayed in Anaheim and signed a, signed a 10-year deal in Anaheim instead of going up the road uh, to, 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 to go to the Dodgers. But we can get into that in our wraparound. However, we do still have some Mariner topics today. I want to start off with Julio Rodriguez in his 2024 season. He just had his presser on Tuesday, came back, looked fresh, looked energized, looked happy, looked excited to get into this season. And while he's excited, you know, I think I'm pretty excited for Julio Rodriguez season here in 2024. What's a fair expectation for him? If he was fourth in MVP last year, why can't he finish higher this year? Why can't he win the MVP? Why can't he go for 40-40 this year? Julio Rodriguez can be a 10-win player in 2024. You think that's crazy? I don't think it's crazy. His ceiling absolutely says he can do that. Adam Jude said the same thing. It is not crazy for him to be a 10-win player at some point. Who's to say that doesn't happen at age 23? When you talk about expectations for Julio Rodriguez in 2024, when you've got this dude sitting at the podium saying how he was frustrated with his 2023 campaign, after the dude put up six wins and finished fourth in MVP voting, if he's going to get better in 2024, Man, that is scary. That It's as scary as it could possibly get. And I, I loved this quote from him. Nobody wants me to be as successful for this team as I want to be successful for this team. And it, it, it all started in this offseason. Scott Service said that Julio had as structured an offseason as he has seen Julio had while Julio's been under the big league umbrella. It's noted, went to Tampa to work out with Jorge Polanco, cut out all the distractions, and really came to camp with a dedication in mind and with specific goals. Like you said, I need to be more consistent. I cannot be as inconsistent as I was last season. I cannot, for the first three months of the season, have a 101 WRC+. I cannot, down the stretch run of the season in September, fade away and in the final 10 games when my team needs me the most, have just four total hits over that stretch. I need to be there and I need to be better. The success of this team rests on my shoulders and I understand it is my responsibility to go up there and show that I'm the best player on this team and potentially the best player in the American League depending on you know how the season shakes out. This is exciting, man. And there's so many reasons to to be more optimistic about Julio Rodriguez this season. It's It's all part of growing up. Remember, he's 23 years old. I, my life wasn't that structured when I was 23 years old, but now that he has reached the top level of his profession and now in, is in year three, he has a better understanding of how to operate as a big leaguer. Like I can put it as this example too. It's like me being here living on my own. This is now my third full year living alone. Do you th- like consider my first year living alone as an adult versus my third year? And I sit back and think about my first year. I'm like, why did I do that? Why did I do that? That seems like a waste of time. That seems like something that was not worth investing my time in. That seems like a a, a bad meal decision. That seems like a a, a bad use of, of whatever resources I have. And now that I've like fleshed it out through three years, it's a lot better. And I feel like my, my weeks and my time is a lot more efficient. And it's the same thing with Julio. It's the same thing for a lot of us when we do something for three seasons. It just kind of grows on us. And you're about to be 26. Julio is 23, and that's what I wanted to get back to. The fact he has this, not just mindset, but understanding of 
who he is and what he can be for this team, for this city, for his own career is pretty remarkable. You were just talking about what were we doing at 23? Seriously, what were we doing at 23? I can tell you we didn't have that mindset that we were going to carry a whole city on our back. I think we were sitting around saying, yeah, remember when we had our graduation on Zoom a few months back and now, well, are there any jobs out there? And, and like that was basically the extent of it. Julio's like, I'm going to go work my tail off to bring a championship to this city. And despite having what most players would call a career year in 2023, for me, that's not good enough. Like we tweeted this video out the other day after Julio was sitting up at the podium with those clothes. There's a video way back from when Taylor Trammell was mic'd up during spring training. And he says to Julio after a round of cage BP, he's like, you're different, bro. And he's right. Julio was 19 at the time when Taylor said that to him, but he's right. Julio is different. The amount of players that have the mindset, the work ethic, and the talent all combined that he does, very, very few. I want to point out just the lineup aspect of this too. Cover your ears when you hear this loud, because this is going to make you shrink and shudder thinking about the 2023 Mariners. I'm going to list off the OPS in the three spots behind Julio last year the protection in the lineup behind him, which pitchers had to worry about. In the three-hole, hitting behind Julio last season, a 725 OPS. In the cleanup spot, two spots behind Julio, a 699 OPS. And in the five spot, a 689 OPS. Now, when you see those three OPS listed out behind Julio Rodriguez and your pitcher on the mound, there's nothing to be scared of behind Julio. Nothing at all. Nope. If, if you have to walk him, if you have to throw him pitches outside of the zone, that is, that's not an issue. Okay, sure. I can pitch Julio how I want to pitch Julio and I will deal with whatever is after that when it comes around because I feel like I can deal with that. Well, now look at this 2023, uh, 2024 season. Uh, those spots instead will have a better version of Cal Raleigh, Mitch Garver, and Jorge Polanco instead. A little bit more intimidating, a little bit more protection behind Julio Rodriguez. A little bit with JP still hitting ahead of him. We assume mm. the lead off. Which one of those guys was Cal Raleigh that you listed off? The 725 OPS guy? No, that was just the that the three hole period. Hmm. Got it, got it, got it. Okay. Yeah, it is a it's a lot different in 2024. Mm. Not only does it feel like it's more balanced and it's more consistent with less strikeouts, but Julio really feels like he has more protection this year. And Ty France, who we may get to in a little bit. If he's really going to bounce back, which, man, all the signs are pointing to that he is, talk about more lineup protection. Julio should see way more pitches to hit this year. He shouldn't be, like, guys are still going to pitch him pretty carefully, but he's probably going to see a lot more pitches this year. And then you've got an offense around him to help him out. Like, I'm pretty fired up with not just what Julio's been saying and what Julio can do, but when you look at the rest of this lineup, you're right. There's much more reason to be excited right now about this lineup mm, yeah there it like it just feels like julio being confident in himself i mean it really reflected i think Lau, what the team did this offseason i mean this team is as serious about winning the division this physical team this roster is as serious about winning this division as i think i've ever seen in my life and i'm serious this doesn't count ownership this counts from the front office down about we we view last season as unacceptable, and this season has to make up for it. Think of the urgency from the top, top down. 
Jerry Depoto and Justin Hollander saw the budget they had available and looked around baseball and saw the stagnation that the rest of the 30, 30, 29 teams in Major League Baseball, I'll say 28, Sands Dodgers, and said, we got to do something. Like something needs to happen. Something needs to change this roster. Last year's roster was not good enough. And they went out there and they, they swapped the roster out, right? And then you had Scott Service, who put in the extra effort this offseason to get on a plane and fly everywhere he needed to go to go check in on his players, be in constant communication with guys. When, I mean, there's this really good nugget that came out on the, on the radio this week that Scott Service, every time they made a move, I think Logan Gilbert was, was talking about it on the, uh, at the podium down there in Peoria, that every time they made a move, Scott Service made sure to get on the phone with his players and explain the thinking and thought process through a move. And is that, is that guy who's dead serious about his roster? Hey, here's what we're doing. Here's why we're doing it. We want you to be as informed and as transparent as possible. That That is extra effort that Scott Service does not need to do, but he's doing it anyway because he cares and wants his players to be happy and invested in this roster. And look what happens outside of that. We have Ty France add three and a half miles an hour on his swing. Three and a half. That's pretty significant, right? He goes to driveline. It looks like he is totally transformed. It has Julio focused at a whole nother level this offseason. I mean, it has all of these, all the makings around this of a team that is actually serious about winning the division. It's even as so much as they've hired more coaches from outside the organization as they have, periods, in this regime. So many boxes are being checked that this team is all in with the resources they have to win the division this year. There's so many other players you can factor into this, too. You know Cal Raleigh's fired up. You've heard him talk about it. You know he was working his tail off this winter. J.P. Crawford's back at driveline. Jorge Polanco's working out with Julio. You know Mitch is a workout machine. Mitch Hanniger, I should say. Guys are fired up and ready to go. Bryce Miller's been adding this splitter. Guys are fired up for 2024, and they are putting in the time and the effort. Every single one of them. Every single one. And I got to tell you, we're usually pretty analytics based on this podcast, but if we're just going to be vibes guys for a second here, the vibes right now are so much better than they were in the second half of 2023. Think about about post-All-Star break, 2023. Here's what happens. Jared Kelnick kicks a cooler. George Kirby says, I don't want to be out there in the seventh inning. Cal Raleigh speaks out against ownership. And again, like we've said a million times, like Cal was right for doing that. But still, the fact Cal had to do that. Then the 54% comments. Then the regional sports network stuff. Look at where we're at right now. The vibes in that period of time, really bad. And 2022, that team didn't have bad vibes. When they went on that 14-game win streak in 2022, it was pretty good vibes only, as Gino likes to say, from there on out until the end of the year. 2023, it wasn't like that. There was a lot of rocky road in the second half of 23 until the offseason, into, into the beginning of the offseason. But right now, oh, vibes are way different. They are high. Guys are motivated. Guys are ready to get going. It's way different. And it's a, it's a really good sign. And you have Scott Service saying this is as focused and as good of a team as he's had, period, in his time here. Can we talk about Ty France for a second? Yeah. So. I mean, first of all, so Shannon Dreyer wrote a really good piece about his time at driveline this week about what France learned about himself. He had been a guy who was really sort of self-taught with his swing and had been hesitant to go get outside help. And finally, this offseason, he realized 
that it was time, that he needed to do it. And he said the stuff he learned at Driveline was eye-opening, like truly eye-opening, the stuff they learned and told him about his swing. And so he said he added three and a half miles an hour of bat speed on his swing. Do you want to know some ballpark math on what the equivalence of that is? That is Ty France going from David Fletcher bat speed to Jose Altuve. Mm. Wow, so I'll no power that. to 30 home run power. Is it what that is? That's pretty exciting, huh? Mm. I, are, are we going to be shocked if Ty France comes out and puts up a 135-140 WRC Plus this year? Let's go to like 120. Let's let's just let's start at 120. Right. I'll say 140 is a little high. And Julio Here's hasn't wh- hasn't gotten close to 140 yet. Here's why I say that. Okay. Would we agree that when both JP Crawford and Ty France are at their best, when they're both at their best, who's the better hitter? Like pure hitter? Is it Ty not France. Ty? Okay. So I will say JP Crawford's best is what he did in 2023. Yes. So JP put up a 134 WRC plus in 2023. If Ty's the better guy, and look, it's no guarantee he's going to see the exact same results that JP does. If he does, why can't it be 140? Seriously, why can't it be 135? Maybe a more realistic ballpark range is 120, 125, which 125 is about what he did in 2021 when he was awesome. There's no saying that similar to how Julio, sky's kind of the limit for him. Ty France isn't that type of player. But we know when he's at his best, he can flat out hit. Mm. Don't be surprised if he really bounces back. Like you heard Carabas on Wednesday say, I wouldn't be shocked to see Ty France really bounce back in 24. Who knows to the level what that could be? It could be 120. I don't think anybody's complaining if he puts up a 120 WRC plus. I also wouldn't put it past him to go higher. I know I'm the I, I know I try to be the optimist and you pull me down sometimes, but I'm gonna let my optimism reign here. What was the last 140 WRC plus the Mariners had, period? Mm. Robbie? Nelly? Probably Nelly, yeah. Well, yeah, 20- one for it. 2016 Robinson Cano was pretty unreal. I'd have to look this up. What is that year? 2018 Nelson Cruz get 140. He's still pretty good that year. Yeah, he probably would have been. It probably would have been 2017, right? I would say 2017, where they both did. I would guess. I think the point being. I think the point being with Ty, as I look this up, I really think he can bounce back if he's if his swing is truly cleaned up. And he's swinging the bat that well with that much speed. You're talking about a Ty France that could really, really make a difference hmm. for this Mariners team. I am so excited to see what he can do when games start, even when spring training games start, just to see how different he looks, because I really think you're going to see it. 2017, I'm going to say Nelson Cruz had a 146. I also think Robbie had a pretty good year. Was it six? No, it was 16. Robbie had the good home that- run year. That's what I was looking at because six. So it would have been Robbie's... it would have been twenty seventeen then for Nelson Cruz one forty six. Sixteen was Robbie's best year with the Mariners. It was one thirty nine. So close. Mm. Yeah, close. So we'll see. It's a high bar. It is a high bar. Okay. To, high bar to clear. But it, so okay. I, I'm going to say for Ty, he'd need like we would need to see a pretty significant power increase. And now bats the bat if the bat speed is true, the impact of the bat speed is truly felt. And he adds a little bit more loft as well as that bat speed. Certainly possible because Ty France right now peak is about in his past form was peak twenty home runs. He okay. would need to, he would need to get up into the thirty range at least to have a shot at that. 
I will also say first half of 2022, before that injury in Oakland, his WRC plus was there. It was top mm. 10 in baseball back then. So he can get there. He didn't sustain it for the, for the full year. But this is what I'm talking about. Like Ty France, the hitter at mm. his best, can be one of the best hitters in baseball. Now, he's coming off a year that was not all that impressive in 2023. He knows that. He went to driveline to go make improvements. But when he's at his best, he can get back to that. Look out, dude. It's hmm. a fair point. It's a fair point. Like he was, Maybe I think one... he was also hitting 340 that year, but you're right. Okay. So yeah. the peak version of Ty France could. He could. And maybe 130 is a better bar to set. Maybe sure. like if he puts up a 130, that's also really impressive. If he yeah. puts up a And it would be a career high. It would yes. be a career high for him. And, and he's going to the All Star game if he does that. Mm-hmm. So. I just can't wait to see it. I really, I really cannot wait to see what he can do because he's clearly put in the time. You know, what's the most exciting thing about all that. Mm. He's your seven hitter right now. Yes. Seven with, with Mitch Hanniger hitting eight or Dom Canzone. Yeah. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Who in conclusion, I think there are a lot of reasons to be about, to be excited about the Mariners right now. And when spring training games start, Oh, you know, hope's only going to go up because everybody's going to react in spring training. Us too. You know, I'm going to be on all the hope and the high and the high clouds and all that stuff saying this guy's looking great and this guy's looking great. And obviously we still have a while till the regular season starts, but man, it's exciting right now. All right. Before we get to our MLB wraparound, let's take a quick pause. We're going to talk to you about who? Our friends at Pagacha's Pub 85 because we love to hang out there. Why do we love to hang out there? Because they have everything you need to have a great time with your friends. Food menu, drink menu, awesome pizza. You want to watch games. There's a ton of TVs in the place. There's 22 of them to be exact. And if you want to go during happy hour, well, you're going to get some pretty good drink deals. They include from Monday through Friday, 2 to 6 p.m., $3 domestic beers, $4 Manny's Blue Moons, $4 Mac and Jacks, $4 Wells, $4 House Wines. All of that is over at Pagacha's Pub 85 in Kirkland. Let's get to our MLB wraparound. First up, TJ, our favorite topic. Look, what look. in the world is going on in the life of Anthony Rendon? Boom, boom. Let's get into it. Well, I've uh, before we get to Anthony Rendon, I have a question for you. First, is this podcast a priority for you? You know, when I list out all the things in my life, I got to be honest. It's whatever. <laughs> if if it goes away one day, I don't care. It's it's whatever. Like there's other things in my life that I can do instead. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to read the actual response to that question from one Anthony Rendon who's due thirty eight million dollars this season? I will give you the honors. You can read it. Okay. So Anthony Rendon, when asked this week if playing Major League Baseball is a priority for him, quote. It's never been a top priority for me. This is a job. I do this to make a living. My faith, my family come first before this job. So if those things come before it, I'm leaving. End quote. Okay. In case the sarcasm did not come through, especially to anybody listening. Yes, of course, I care deeply about this podcast. We work our, we work as hard as we can because we love it. We absolutely love it. It is clearly not the same case for Anthony Rendon in the game of baseball. Now, look, there is nothing wrong with saying your priorities in life involve your family and things outside of baseball. That is fine. 
Here's the problem. You cannot be the poster boy for this topic when you make $38 million a year, are never on the field, you've played less than 200 games in the last three years total, and you have just had example after example after example where you put atrocious PR on yourself and basically turn the entire baseball world against you. When you walk into the clubhouse, when you're on the I.L., refuse to talk to the media for weeks and walk in there and say, no habla inglés today, and then walk out. I'm sorry, I'm not giving you the benefit of the doubt on this, especially because you make $38 million a year. If there was a swingman going up and down, a Crash Davis type of player that kind of sees the show every now and then, then goes to the minors, grinds in the minors, he's done it a long time, and he had that quote, I'd say, okay, I understand. Minor league baseball is really hard. And there gets to a point with a lot of guys where they say, Maybe it's time for me to do other things. When Anthony Rendon makes $38 million a year to basically play a third of the year and then create terrible PR for himself left and right, I'm sorry, I'm not going to back you on this, dude. I think you look ridiculous saying that. There is no issue with you saying you don't like your job as long as you give it all of your effort every time you go out there and do it. There are plenty of jobs that people yeah. do all of the time that they don't like, but they put all of their effort into it, or at least what they're paid, the amount of money they're paid, they'll put that much effort into the job. And that's fine. No one has a complaint about it. Think of Nikola Jokic. Isn't, is there a, a better comparison? Nikola Jokic makes a fuck ton of money. Mm-hmm. He is a two-time NBA MVP. He is an NBA champion. He makes it very clear that he doesn't have fun playing basketball. He, As soon as the season is done, he gets on a plane, flies to Serbia, and goes rides his horses all offseason, doesn't pick up a basketball. That's fine. You know why people don't care about Nikola Jokic not liking basketball? By the way, who has also publicly said that on the record, publicly said that on the record. Mm-hmm. because he plays his ass off when he's on the court every single time. If Anthony Rendon gave it his all every time he's on the baseball field, nobody would have an issue with this. Just, hey, dude, just try. Try hard. Why should the fans come out and spend their own money to finance your paycheck if you're not willing to give it all for them? You're essentially scamming them. That's yeah. what it is. You're scamming them. And you're scam. I'm not going to mention Artie Moreno because he's a scam in of itself, but you're scamming the fans who are who are paying your paycheck, and it sucks. I will say this: it is not a, like Trevor Pluth. Uh, I thought made a really good point uh, on John Boy, John Boy Media made a made a really good point that if you go around and you poll a bunch of major league clubhouses, you're going to find a lot of guys who think this way, and that doesn't shock me. Think of how many Mariners from 2005 to 2013 hated playing baseball. We could probably make a starting nine of it easily. Yeah. The results on the field said everything we needed to know. But the fact that he couldn't, A, just couldn't just lie about this. Just like lie. It's not that hard to lie. Athletes lie to media all the time. They bullshit their way through through everything. That's fine. You can do that. We'll get to Mike Trout here in a second. He's probably lying in the things he said this week as well. But I, I don't know why Anthony Rendon didn't do it. I, I it seems It seemed like a pretty easy decision for me. Like, why doesn't he just retire? Most of you are going to respond with that and say, the money. He makes too much of it. Of course, he's going to see the contract through. If you hate your job that much, you have enough money to retire. You have have generational wealth at this point. So retire. You don't want to play anymore. Stop playing. But stop with all these ridiculous quotes all the time, dude. 
It's ridiculous. Like it's you're you're putting a terrible look on the game. And again, you cannot be the poster boy for this. You make way too much money for people to have sympathy for you. If you actually, like you said, TJ, tried, I don't think people would care. The fact that you are just creating a PR nightmare nightmare for yourself, time in and time out, says all that needs to be said. I don't usually go to Jonathan Papelbon for reliable, thoughtful, well-reasoned answers, but he made a good point. Like, what? why would you want to suit up next to this guy if he's not trying that hard? Like, if you're the, I don't even know who the shortstop for the Angels is going to be it's, this year. Zach Dave Fletcher. Oh, oh, Neto, right. If you're Zach Neto, right, you're making league minimum, and you're 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 trying to bust your ass. You're trying to earn your next contract. But the guy next to you is making you look bad because every time you go to your right, he's not trying very hard, and it's costing you because it makes you look bad on defense because you have to go way out there in the hole to your right at shortstop to defend, but you know the third baseman does not care at all, and he's already made it, and he's just going to sell it out. Wouldn't that, be, wouldn't that piss you off? What about a guy who's hit ahead of, hitting ahead of him in the lineup or behind him in the lineup? Like, it stinks. I mean, it does. It, 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 it's, it, uh, but I'll say mostly I feel bad for the fans. Like, they're, like they're the real losers in all this, right? You pay these absor- exorbitant monies for cable television, and tickets, and food, and beer, and all this to fund the product on the field. And the product couldn't care less that you're there and, pro- and doesn't like you anyways. Like, what we haven't talked about yet about these quotes is he went out of his way to say this. Media follows up with him. Reporters followed up with him. And then he goes, well, I don't want to be sitting here talking to you guys at 7 in the morning. It's like, dude, you started this quote. You put it out there. They follow up. And then you give another ridiculous answer like it's crazy to me that he was ever a fan favorite in dc he used to be like people loved anthony rendon in dc and since going to the angels he has turned himself into maybe the most hated player in baseball unreal i love the fact that he once emailed himself back in 2014 a pros and cons list of why he wanted he'd want to continue playing baseball 2014 insane it's insane he's made it this long to be honest but he he knew how good he was, and he knew, well, make it to free agency, get a bag, and stop caring. Yeah. And that's what he's done. Get the Orange County lifestyle, get a big home, live on the beach, soak up the sunlight, and show up to work every third day. <laughs> Speaking of the Angels, you want to tee us up for our second subject? Because our next subject's a guy that is basically polar opposite to Anthony Rendon. So Mike Trout also spoke this week in our second wraparound topic. Um, says he doesn't want to ask for a trade because it's, quote, the easy way out. And that he's been pushing Angels owner Artie Moreno and general manager Perry Manasian to sign one of the remaining big free agents. He's almost too loyal. Almost? Actually, sorry. No, he is too loyal. Come on, Mike. First, I want to say this. If Mike Trout thinks one of those free agents is putting the Angels over the top, I'm sorry, but you got another thing coming. Blake Snell, or Matt, Ch- or Matt not Matt Chapman, because you've got Rendon in his contract at third base. Blake Snell or Cody Bellinger are not making you a playoff team. I'm sorry. Like, you don't have the rotation. You don't have the bullpen. You don't have the farm system. Like, nothing. Cody Bellinger is not making you a playoff team. So, if you're Mike Trout, I don't know how 
clearer we can possibly be about this as a baseball community. You owe the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim nothing. Absolutely nothing. You have grinded it out for over a decade and been handed no playoff wins and one playoff appearance. Get out, dude. Demand. I know you don't want to be the villain. You don't want to be the bad guy. You probably like living in Orange County. Just demand the trade. You know who's going to put you in a bad public light if you do? Angels fans for maybe a couple weeks, and then eventually they'll move on. The rest of the baseball world will say, thank goodness he did it. Do you know how much he could save his legacy if he went somewhere else? Mike Trout's going to be a first ballot unanimous Hall of Famer no matter what. But you know what would only make his legacy that much better? Playoff appearances, big moments in playoff appearances, getting letting fans see you on the biggest stage. Look at what your buddy Shohei just did. He's going to be on the biggest stage this year. Go do that yourself. Go demand a trade to Philly. Go back home. Like, do that. Please stop playing for the Angels. He left his win he left the window open to for trade down the road. He didn't rule it out. But, man, he really must love living in Orange County. I I can't think of anything else. He must just love it there. And you know what, Mike? You don't have to sell your Orange County house. When you're done playing, you can go back and live there. You stay there full time. You never have to leave it. You never have to. It's it's all yours. And you have, funny thing, you have enough money where you can buy another house. And another one. And another one. And another one. But that's besides the point. I like legacy is kind of a eh, baseball legacies are kind of kind of fickle because baseball is such a random and random and weird sport. But sure, yeah, I would really love to see Mike Trout hit a walk off home run in a playoff game. I think he needs it. I think he deserves it. I think he's certainly good, obviously good enough to do so. It stinks that he's he's stuck here, but it also stinks that he's to the point where he's like, yeah, I'm just going to ask Artie to go sign this like. Like Mike, Mike knows he's not going to do that. Like Artie has publicly said, payroll is going down. It is going down this year. So let's check some boxes now. Of what Mike Trout is going to have to deal with this year: a payroll that's going to be lower, a bad rotation, bad bullpen, mediocre lineup, a couple of young pieces who have been yanked up after just being drafted, and Zach Neto and Nolan Shanuel, Shanuel, Shanuel. Shanuel, yeah, you, can, you can throw Logan O'Hoppy into that. Too. Logan O'Hoppy too. So you have a okay young core at the, the the big league level, but you have nothing in the minor leagues. You yeah don't have a great development system. You haven't been great at developing prospects. Maybe there's a reason why these guys haven't spent any time in the minors because they don't trust their development system. And obviously, the big league product has stunk. This is essentially the 2005 to 2013 Mariners with one significantly better baseball player. Mm-hmm. That's the best way I could describe this. And you didn't even throw into that equation of all the things Mike Trout's going to have to deal with. You didn't even throw in continuing to have to deal with Anthony Rendon, which mm. cannot be any fun. Mm. Just, yeah. Like you said, Mike Trout can go live in Orange County when his career is over. You could still live there in the off season. You could live there for still a good chunk of the year. But just go play somewhere else for your own sake. And sanity. I understand if you wanted to stick it out with Shohei. Of course, you have the belief every year with the two greatest players on the planet that something could happen. Shohei is gone and he's never coming back. If you're Mike Trout, you have to be looking around at where this team's future is. It's nowhere. So just leave, please, for the sake of the game. I can't say it enough. 
one final Angels thing before we get to our final wraparound topic. You saw the reason they didn't trade Shohei at the deadline. The reasoning coming from the man, Artie Moreno himself, because he was worried about two months worth of ticket sales. That's why they didn't trade Shohei. He said he was worried there would be a decline in second half ticket sales. Only for Shohei to be hurt most of the second half anyway. Hmm. Mm Hmm. Like, imagine the trade package they could have gotten back for even half a season of Shohei. It would have changed the course of their franchise. But... (laughs) There's a reason bad franchises stay bad and good franchises stay good. <clears throat> Dodgers and Angels. It writes itself. I'll continue to say it. The two worst franchises in baseball both reside in the AL West. Hmm. Two worst franchises in baseball. Yep. Well, what those two franchises are going to have to be wearing on their backs this year, along with the rest of baseball, are some new jerseys created by our friends over at Fanatics and TJ. Where do we even start with this? Um, these are atrocious. Should we start at the top or the bottom? Let's pick your poison. Well, wow, I think we can see some dicks now. <laughs> the pants are see-through. They're see-through pants. Oh my This is ridiculous. <laughs> like you think the guys are probably getting dressed and they're like, they can't be serious. They cannot be serious. Like, it's on Twitter now. Like, like who was it? Casey Schmidt of the Giants who had his photo shoot. And there's all these replies and quote tweets that are like, what in the world is going on? You cannot. (laughs) You can see his dick. (laughs) (laughs) I I forget what the photo was. They took a photo of someone from behind and you could literally see his. You could see it. Like just, I'm like, what are we doing? What are we doing? How did this get approved? How did Nike thumbs up this? It's their logo on the jersey. Now Nike approved the jerseys, who then outsourced it to Fanatics, who then made the jerseys. Look at this quote, dude. This came from a Jesse Rogers article on ESPN today. Quote: Each camp seemingly has a different issue, including some that are worried about supply chain problems that led to at least one player tell Clark, uh, Tony Clark, who's head of the MLB Players Association, he might have to go to Dick's Sporting Goods for spare pants. A Major League Baseball player says, "I need to go buy my own pants, like I was in Little League at Dick's Sporting Goods." This is a fire fest of all fire fests. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> You know what's ridiculous about this, too? The fact that of all teams to to pick up some traction with these jerseys, the Mariners are at it again by no yeah. fault of their own. Michael Chavis, the ice horse, as Jared Kravis likes to call him, he's got an invitation to spring training with the Mariners. He took a photo of his jersey. He put it on his story. And all of a sudden, a lot of Mariners Twitter picked it up saying this again looks atrocious this is one of the worst things i've ever seen and fanatics the account responds to some to somebody on mariner's twitter and says you know please dm us looks like this one was a mistake it's like no your entire blueprint is a mistake like incredible unbelievable dude like i i don't even know what the worst part of it like the jerseys on top are like they they use the ironed on numbers that can that can peel off. Nothing's stitched. The the wording is curved and disjointed and misspaced, and not all the numbers are aligned properly. And 
like <laughs> it's a, it's a mess. I I don't how do you approve this? How is this how does something like this get approved? How do you sit there, you try these jerseys on and you're like let's do it. This is our multi-billion dollar product that we're going to put out there and something that that kids buy on DHgate. If you don't know what DHgate is, it's a Chinese website where you can buy knockoff American and other sports jerseys for like 10 bucks. They take a month to ship, but you get them, they're knockoffs, but the, people buy them all the time. This looks like MLB went to DHgate to shop for jerseys, all of them. Like you know what's crazy? Call this a hot take. Rob Manfred does not change his mind on much. He is usually pretty stubborn, as we all know. I actually think there's a chance Major League Baseball reverses this. There has been so much public backlash, so much, to the point where they might actually get pressured into doing this. Again, the fact Jesse Rogers wrote this article and passed and retweeted it and everything, saying like, okay, we now have to step in. This is ridiculous. I I think Major League Baseball might honestly retract these. They cannot suit up to opening day with these. A professional sports league cannot operate like this. What would happen if the NFL showed up to week one of the preseason wearing shit like this? The the Players Association would say absolutely not. And you know which Players Association has the most power of all of them? Major League Baseball. So they got to do it. They need to take a stand. And like, like we were not suiting up in these. This is embarrassing. This is like, this is abs. Why can I see the fact someone is wearing like, is wearing slider shorts and his jersey is tucked in down to his mid thighs? Why, why do I, why can I tell that? Dude, if they're going to keep these jerseys, players need to start wearing underwear with just hilarious messaging underneath it, whether it's (laughs) SpongeBob boxers or, or whatever. Like, imagine if there was, imagine if you could start getting like, what if, what if players, combined together just total brain flash here combined together made custom made underwear saying and blackouts mlb and wore them under their pants like like underwear that says and blackouts just to put a terrible light on rob manfred that would be pretty funny i'd like that and you could get like a glow in the dark tattoo somehow work that in get some get some design what happens when you slide in these pants do they tear up Who's going to be the first person to tear a hole in his ass once once he slides on the dirt? We're going to see it this year. You know what? Yeah, you, know what will. Be, you know what should be the test? They should all head out to Wareham, Massachusetts, and go <laughs> slide on that field at on the Cape League. Which, for those who don't know, TJ and I have talked about how we spent two summers on the Cape League, calling baseball games in college. Wareham's technically not even on the Cape, and that is the biggest disgrace of a field you will ever find. The infield is no joke, gray gravel. I'm not making that up. And guys would rip their pants all the time sliding on that. Those are normal pants they wore. On these, even on big league quality dirt, it's going to be even worse. Here's another just like if you think about it this way, it's mind boggling. Why are college baseball? Why do college baseball players are going to have nicer uniforms this year than major league baseball players? College baseball. You could go to low level college baseball and have better quality uniforms than they're going to have at the big leagues right now. Unreal. I don't know what else to say. This is ridiculous, go, and they better fix it. Like, go down the road to a JUCO, like near you right now, or or I go down the go go head over to to Lynn Benton Community College right next to Corvallis, and I guarantee you they have better quality jerseys than what the major leaguers are wearing down there at spring training. That that tells you everything you need to know. Everything. 
Go fix this, MLB. This is a problem. Before we get to speak your mind, if you want good quality uh, wear, especially Pacific Northwest-themed sports gear, we recommend you go check out our friends at Simply Seattle. They probably could generate a better jersey and better pant combination than Major League Baseball has done with Fanatics so far this season. But otherwise, at Simply Seattle, they have all of your Pacific Northwest sports gear you could want. Huskies, Kraken, Mariners, Sonics, Seahawks, whatever you want. Go check them out at simplyseattle.com. We have you covered with a 15% off code. Use code MARINE15 at checkout for 15% off your order at simplyseattle.com. Let's get to Speak Your Mind. Speak Your Mind, Spock. That would be unwise. What is necessary is never unwise. Okay, Lyle, what is on your mind this week? You know, this is a little bit of like a a mind twister, but I've weirdly kind of just been having these thoughts this week, so I thought I'd share them here on the pod. Have you ever heard of the term or like the idea of the six degrees of separation? You heard this? I think so. Yeah. Oh, oh, like six. I hear six degrees of separation all the time. Specifics. I'm, scra- I'm scraping at the barrel here. So I had somebody explain this to me. I don't know. A couple months ago. I remember actually having it explained to me for the first time. The idea is all people, all people are six or fewer social connections away from you. And I thought, well, I guess that's a nice idea. Never really gave it much thought. but. Actually sitting and thinking about how it all works, it's made me realize all of a sudden, like, whoa, it like it's real. In fact, it's a lot closer than six with a lot more people than you might think. I'll give you a couple examples. I'm just going to rattle a few off. So like Jared Carabas, for example, we just had him on Wednesday. Think of all the people he knows, like he knows David Ortiz personally. Think about all the like, that's just one example. Think about all the people then Big Poppy knows. Big Poppy knows, I don't know, like, like list whoever you want, Pedro Martinez, A-Rod, like people like that. And then they know people. So like, you're not that far away from having a direct connection to big leaguers. Or I'll get like a couple more examples, like a couple people I've connected with here in New York, like one of them knows a bunch of people in the NFL, or at least a couple guys in the NFL. So like somebody I've connected with does a Ravens podcast with Marlon Humphrey, his name's Jack Settleman, he run, I think I talked about him. He runs this company, Snapback Sports. They've had Odell Beckham on. Think about all the people that Odell Beckham then knows. And I know Jack. So it's not that far a connection away. You're like two connections away from Odell So knowing, I'll like, say Tom you're Brady. two degrees of separation away from Odell Beckham. Yeah. Or like three from somebody like, I don't know, Tom Brady. Or if you even want some non sports examples, like I know somebody that worked in the White House for a long time. So think about all the people you know as a result of that. That's like two connections away or somebody I connected with today, like today, like to just give you one, I guess, pop culture example. He works at overtime. His name's Alex Day. He, he's, he's a sports content creator and he knows a bunch of athletes too. But he was telling me for any of you out there that might be bachelor watchers or pop culture people. So he like TJ's not going to know these names. Probably some of you listening probably will. He's friends with Tyler Cameron and Matt James, who were two stars on The Bachelor. Those guys are best oh. friends. I oh. know who Matt James is. <laughs> okay. 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 And and he's maybe got a very know. good food TikTok page. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And and Tyler Cameron is is basically 
every girl's celebrity crush ever. Like, like it really seemed, it, it seems that way. And they did a weird, they were doing some work at overtime for like a season, doing some like football sports betting stuff or whatever. And I guess Alex got to know them decently, like pretty well. So then they know all these people like in the pop culture bachelor, like reality TV world. So there's just all these different areas and like walks of life where you sit and you realize oh, you're, like, really not far away from people in terms of connections. Like, you just see some of these people that's like, you know, I would never know them in a million years. But then when you sit and you break it down, you're like, well, they're not as far away as you think. Not that I'd ever meet most of these people, but it is kind of a funny mind twist to actually sit and think about it and say, yeah, that six degrees of separation thing is real. And we, just think about all the people we have on have had on this podcast and how mm -hmm. many degrees of separation are from people they know. Here's a good question. Who is the most degrees of separation away from us knowing? If you had a guess, mm. I, have an, I have a guess, which is probably I think I think it's correct. It would be correct if I guessed it. Like it's in not the sports, world, obviously in the world. Yeah. In the world. I don't know, like The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. Hmm. I was going to say Kim Jong-un. Oh, well, do we know anyone that knows Dennis Rodman? Well, I, so I was thinking about it this way, right? So you have a friend who works in the White House, right? How many okay, degrees I'll... of separation is that from the president? Yeah, like one or two. True. Hmm. And then the president, and assuming whoever's in-house, probably has sat down with Kim Jong-un and talked to him, communicated at one point or communicated some to somebody within that circle, right? That's yeah. I mean, I guess that's probably true. Or, or if somebody in the sports world knows, again, if you go back to like the Odell connection, like I know Jack Settlement, who's at Snapback Sports, like he knows Marlon Humphrey, who then knows Odell, who then knows a ton of people, like, like you could say Tom Brady or whoever. Maybe there's somebody in the next line of connections who knows Dennis Rodman, and then Dennis mm -hmm. Rodman, well, yeah, Kim Jong un. So, yeah, that's a good point. A, it's kind of a crazy mind concept that I never really gave much thought, but I was sitting about it sitting around and kind of thinking about it today uh especially after i'd had like seen a couple more people this week that i've met with i was like whoa like you're not that far from anybody do you have another guess on who do you have a guess on who would be the most degrees if you'd think that, i mean what you said is a pretty good one i unless it's like again somebody like the rock or somebody like that like i don't i don't know how you get but i feel like the rock people. knows a lot of people and the more people you know yeah, the like the less degrees of separation it would be. I think of it as the people who are most isolated from everybody else. Period. So okay, then then you're probably right. Like mm -hmm. somebody like you know the president of North Korea might yeah. be the furthest one away. But it's but yeah, it's kind of a wild concept when you think about it. So for anybody listening to this, like think about for your sake, like how this could all tie in for you, and and like how many people you think connections away you hmm. are from because it's it's hmm. really not that much or somebody who only has one friend or no friends if they had no no connections but, at all then there would be no you could not possibly reach okay. them okay well actually you know what i have a final answer it's bigfoot it's nobody's met him. <laughs> no it's it's babe ruth he wasn't real no right <laughs> <laughs> there's your uh, final answer hmm well, that's a good one yeah well yeah leva it if you have a if you have a good guess, leave your best guess in the comments below, whether it be on YouTube, you can reply to our tweet when we tweet out the show, DM us. Yeah. Give give us a good one actually. I'd be very curious and we could 
uh, on next Wednesday's episode, we can uh, if we get some good answers, I think Lau and I can can get some some good discussion off it. That's good. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. I'm really thinking yeah. now. Now I am too. This is what I'm saying. Like like I was sitting and thinking about this a lot of this week. It's like whoa, and I wanted to save it for the podcast because I I wanted to have somewhere to get these thoughts out. I'm glad I sparked it for you. Hopefully, I'm sparking it for other people. Yeah, seriously, guys. Like reply to the show like either dm us dm the account any of our accounts on any of our social platforms or just reply on youtube reply to the tweet reply to the instagram post like like send us your best ones like i'm curious now either on wednesday or on the next speak your mind we can try to read some okay my speak your mind uh, back into the sports world what the fuck are they continuing to do with college football like did you see what came out earlier this week yesterday I did, but as people who sit around for these speak your minds and have heard us talk about them know, I think we view the playoff, the college football playoff a little differently. So I assumed as soon as we saw it, TJ is one unhappy camper. Like, so if you, if you missed it, they're trying to, before they even switch to 12, they're now trying to go to 14 two years later with, with potentially four automatic bids for each of the top two conferences in the Big Ten and the SEC. How is that enjoyable? That's not a playoff. It's no, the NFL. It's not, it's not a playoff. It's 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 the NFL. What do you want me to tell you? Like that's how I they're formatting it. The way I saw this put, I mean, it's perfectly. It's like people who don't care about college football are making these decisions. Like I flat out believe that. Who like looks at that and like how do you, do you think that's going to be better? Like the 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 regular season is going to be less and less valuable. Like even more. Like what are it we is, doing? But is the NFL's regular season not valuable? I don't know. It is, but that's a competitive balance league with salaried players and and yeah. and com- like most mainly competitive balance, mm-hmm. even playing field, fair balanced schedules, of yeah, balanced budgets, like okay. which I- again, college football is not okay. So any of so those things. Where do you stand on this exactly again? Like, are you okay with eight teams? Eight, I think it would be fine. I think eight's the perfect number. But okay. it's been made very clear that the people in charge of these decisions, and that mostly the SEC and the Big Ten, have no intention of including any other conference in college football and anything else down the future. And they're going to manage, they're going to try to try to make as much money off of this as possible without actually considering what the sport's going to look like. Like period, they're gonna they're gonna try and keep some form of old college football in the regular season, and then NFLize the postseason. Like pick something, pick something and go with it. Create create something new and go go off and do it, and stop like stringing other people along. I think that's fair. I mean, we are gonna get to a point where there's probably uncompetitive games. I just like the idea of games that count. But like you're right, like there is there is a fair argument to this if the regular season's totally non-meaningful and that's not a fun sport i don't know like i think it i think it stems all the way back to everything that's going on with the transfer portal right now to be honest with like i think that's the first thing that has to get fixed before you even worry about the playoff teams and the number of teams that get in like the transfer portals was driving everything out of control because again how can you follow any of these players and and like really grow a connection to any of these players right now because everybody leaves can you blame them no but that's the problem like the NCAA needs to actually incentivize players to stay. What if, like, just pay your players, man. Like, just let them stay. And these school, I mean, these schools need to just do a much better job of NIL, obviously. But the NCAA, it falls on them. Pay your players. You make too much money off of them not to. 
And I was thinking about this other day, like going down, eventually going to be down the road of all these, the the players at least playing at the top will be employees. They will have contracts. I'm thinking about this way where people are like, uh, like players are just free agents. We like they, they need to have contracts, something to lock them in. But it, like, it's funny the people in college football who actually have contracts don't honor them at Crazy. all. Like that, that doesn't matter at all. Like how long was Kalen DeBoer's contract? How much money, how much time did he have left on his contract? Didn't matter. Like, like as soon as you're open for another job, you go. I mean, it doesn't matter. It a, doesn't matter if you're locked in or not. Well, and that's kind of what I mean with the whole transfer portal thing. It starts with the coaches and then it then falls down to the players because when coaches leave, players leave with them. It's a whole free for all. Yeah. Like I, like it, they're going to have to find a way to incentivize coaches to stay too. Like you said, honor your contract. You don't see this happen in the NFL. Like I obviously you can't just get up and transfer in the NFL, but you don't see coaches just having carousels all the time. Mm-hmm. They got to find a way to fix that. It's just a mess, man. It and I uh, they're all in the chase for ratings, which it, at some point the ratings are going to peak because um, like people don't care as much about college football as they do about the NFL. Like if college football is like, "Yep, we're going to be the we're going to be the number 2 to the NFL. We're going to chase those ratings." Well, I'm going to I'm going to just be honest, there's only so much you can get because you are never touching what the NFL does. Mm-hmm. They have they have so insurmountably pat lapped every other sports league in America that you're never going to touch them. Like never. The games are easier to watch, the teams are more recognizable, the league is balanced, there's incentive and balanced schedules for every team home and away for fans to go to. There's a lot of national TV. There's days of the week blocked out. I mean, college, there's a reason college football plays on Saturday because they know they can't compete. Mm-hmm. So they can, when the NFL is like, yep, yeah, we're going to put games on Thursday, we'll put games on Friday, and we'll put games on Sunday and Monday. And college football is wedged into one day a week. And then they're going to try and like, oh, yeah, we'll NFLize this. But you, you can't. You can't. It doesn't work. You will, never, you will never beat them. We didn't even touch on this. You saw the ratings to the Super Bowl. I mean, they blew ratings out of the water mm-hmm. like the super bowl when it had broken ratings before it had been by like one to two million they broke the record by eight million ridiculous 123.3 million people watched the super bowl this year if you can't tell living in a college town like tj does it's gonna make you pretty passionate about this subject because i mean you've heard, I mean, people have heard you talk about this before and when all you have living in a college town is your college teams you're going to be passionate about it. So you talk about it a lot. (laughs) I exactly, which is not, which is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's what's, it's what's like popular. Here's the thing though. When I think about it, the expanded playoff actually helps the beavers. It does. It opens up more doors depending on the amount of automatic bids, of course, but it like, it does. Like I said, this on our show today, I hosted today and I was saying, you know, it does actually help them. It, It gives them a better chance of making an expanded playoff. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, the way it's currently trending, in theory, more spots is better. But who are the spots actually for? You got to answer that question. Just remember who owns the playoff. The only playoff in sports that is owned or in college that is not owned by the NCAA, it's owned by the conferences. Mm-hmm. So in theory, it's not a real national champion. It's not. Like it could in like the selection process to choosing a national cha- champion is not it's not a real championship. It's not an NFL bracket where, again, you you prove you're the best team. No, you get selected by a television network that decides 
the television network that is moderated by the leadership of the conferences with monetary incentive to create the best television product possible. Yeah. Right. It's true. And it's an unfortunate situation they're in, but like we've t- said about all these college football topics, we're going to have to see how it plays out. I no. hope they fix it because we love this sport. Like, do so. you think there's a ceiling there when it comes to ratings in college football? Probably. Maybe, I think maybe so the too. Playoff, I mean, maybe the playoff expansion helps, but not to the level of the NFL. Yeah, I don't think so. no. I, yeah. Does it, it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, doesn't seem like, like that way. There's a lot of factors that make the NFL great that college football does not have. That's true. It's very true. <laughs> All right. I think that just about wraps up this edition of the Marine Layer Podcast. You guys know the drill. You want to listen to the full form podcast. You can do so wherever you get your audio pods. Guys, if you're listening, just take a couple extra seconds, download the episode, rate and review with five stars, leave a written review. You're helping us out a ton. Go like, comment, subscribe on YouTube. That red button on YouTube that says subscribe, it's free. It takes like one to two seconds to hit. You're helping us out big time. Then go follow us on social media too. We're on Instagram. We're on TikTok. We're on Twitter. We're on YouTube shorts at Marine Layer Pod. That's TJ. I'm Lyle. As always, we thank you guys for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon.